So I promised him that because I love Emily so much and I didn't want to confuse her and I didn't want to upset her. And then my mind started running away with me. What if she didn't like me after this? What if she didn't want to spend time with me? Hey there, welcome to Grit, True Stories That Matter. Grit is a weekly podcast about stories, the contemporary, personal, narrative kind of story, and the people that craft and tell them. Each week, a storyteller will tell one of their stories and then break it down with me, Sean. Why, you ask? Well, we want to feature these tellers and their stories, and we also want to help you, our listeners, craft and tell better more engaging, more relatable, and more memorable stories. True stories. Personal stories. Grit stories. New episodes are released every Friday. And we are now in our second month of season two, which is dedicated to women and their stories. And this week joining me is Mary Dalba. Mary lives up in Massachusetts. I met Mary last year through Kurt Mullen. Many of our listeners know who Kurt is. She has appeared on Stories from the Stage, Grits, 7x7, and she has also been the co-host of the 99-second Story Slam since the fall of last year, and she does a superb job with that. But she's not here today to talk about her co-hosting. She's here to talk about story and tell one of her stories. But before that, let me tell you a little more about Mary. She is a psychic medium and a wellness coach. She is also an artist, a writer, a poet, a photographer, a painter, and of course, a storyteller. A lot of her stories, including the one today, involves her family because she loves them. Even, and I'm quoting here, during quarantine. This Sunday, we have an open mic called the Mental Health Happyish Hour. Anybody can join us to tell a story that's centered on mental health addiction, trauma, as long as you're telling it from a scar and not a wound. We'd love to have you. I'll put that information in the show notes. As always, I know I say this a lot. If you listen on Apple, help us out, rate and review this podcast. Thank you for that. Okay, so Mary Dalba, let's dive in. Hey, Mary. I will start with the how question. How did you get involved with this kind of storytelling where it's true and personal, the personal narrative kind that you're performing for people Mm -hmm. in a sense. Do you remember how that started for you? Yeah. So for years I've been a corporate trainer and I, and I do a lot of educational stuff as a psychic medium, if you can believe it, I teach classes. So um, I happened to be on Eventbrite one day and it came up about storytelling and I was like, Oh, I want to try something new. I have some experience at that. I can speak in front of people. It's fine. I went to one of the classes and I was like, Oh, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know how to, you know, make a five minute story with a beginning, middle and end and an arc. And so I was like, Oh, this is really cool. I can learn something new. I also didn't think my life was that interesting to do stories. And I found, I do have some things in there that are actually kind of interesting. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's helped me explore myself a bit too. I took that intro class three times cause I just loved it so much. And then I uh, took the advanced class and then I was out doing stories and sort of brought me into where I am today. 
And you can see Marriott stories from the stage. If you go on Facebook, I don't know where else you can find them, but they're pretty big and she has a great story there. Yeah. It's a cool organization. Very cool. Yeah. When was that first class? Do you remember? Definitely pre-COVID. I'll say that. I think mm-hmm. it was uh, 2018. All right. Yeah. And you said that one thing is you didn't realize that you had stories or so many stories or interesting stories, which is something I think a lot of people feel. Yeah. And I can say to absolutely, regardless of your life and not knowing you, whoever is listening, you're wrong. You mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. It's not just to sell you an idea and then get you in a class. You, you absolutely do have stories. And then the other thing that you had mentioned is like, oh, I don't know how to do this, which is really cool to hear because it is hard. Mm-hmm. And unlike, let's say, singing, where you just almost everyone needs training. I think people, because we just use the word story a lot, and we do tell stories in some form, most of us during our life, we don't realize, huh, all right, maybe there are stuff to learn. Mm-hmm. So do you remember other than, okay, maybe I have a nice number of interesting stories or potentially interesting stories, the fact that, oh, okay, shaping a story, it needs a beginning, middle, end, mm-hmm. right? Those were things that you weren't necessarily immediately like aware of when you entered the class. Did, did anything else stand out in your memory of like, oh, shit, I, I, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I learned that to make a story interesting, you have to have some kind of stakes in there. And I just... You know, I can talk for hours. That that's, but you need to have someone kind of be involved and interested in your story because anybody can spout off stuff. But to have okay. some kind of stake in, right? I mean, that's we yes. Oh, I mean, just listen to this podcast. People will say all the time, "God, you just talk forever," <laughs> <laughs> and we don't. What the hell are you talking about? Right. Where where's the where's the hook? But there, I mean, I think storytelling. I I could talk with you for hours, Sean. About yeah, it. great. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. But for me, it was like, oh, I, I need to figure out what's the the meat of the story, which is the stakes. You know, sometimes asking those questions, getting a little bit deeper with a story that just feels very surface. Um, you're like, oh, I went through that. And maybe subconsciously I went through it. I didn't even know. But it, it kind of helps you learn a bit about yourself, too. 100 percent. Yeah. I remember I was teaching a class earlier this year and there was a guy and he was really good. He started off. He knew it. He was a lawyer, well-spoken. Had, had new stuff about story, but then in the process, at least the way I did it, like it was really, like you said, like this kind of a self-discovery exploration. And when we were finding the story, what is this story actually about? Because he had some interesting things happen. And he was like digging and digging. And he said, you know, I didn't realize that this whole storytelling process isn't just about putting a story together. It's about digging and mm-hmm. figuring out what that thing meant. And that was cool to hear. Yeah, it's true. I, I don't think you realize that. And then you're like, oh, well, that's, that's something I need to look into more. That's something like when I told the story um, on stories from the stage, mm-hmm. you know, that story was about my dad cleaning out his work van and taking me and some friends to a, my first school dance. Mm-hmm. Cause we couldn't, we couldn't do a limo at that time. You know, I was 15. It was, you know, when I tell that story too, the other thing is like, for me, it was like, Oh, you know, I knew how much my dad loved, loved me. My dad passed over, but like that just kind of illustrated for me a little bit more. And then, like, I also know telling the story, sometimes it touches people. You know, I've had people comment on that story afterwards about my dad and our relationship and stuff like that. So I think it also does that for people. When you tell a story, you can touch, you can connect. There's like even almost like a community that happens with that. Mm. It, It was interesting. The first time I told it live, I had a woman come up to me afterwards and she said, 
I just want to tell you, I love the fact your dad loved you so much. I wish I had that relationship with my father. And I was like, <gasps> you know, it, it just, so it, it, it opened up a dialogue, which was interesting. Right. You're not having that conversation with that woman probably without that story. Right. Exactly. Like you just met at a cafe and you started talking. You're probably not talking about that. No, it's deeper connection too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, storytelling does, it helps us shift our perspective on things. Mm. Like I know with the 99 second stories, Mm-hmm. Some of the, I mean, some of the stuff that people do in 99 seconds, the vulnerability, like the things you learn about them, you're like, whoa, it, it's again, stuff we would never really, if they told one five minute story, as opposed to sometimes they're telling 99 second stories several times, mm-hmm. you know, we see them over the slams. It's like, wow, I've gotten to know this person a little bit right. through their story. And in 99 seconds, in 99 seconds. Yeah. So I've heard several of your stories. Yeah. There was a story about your mom. And connected to COVID. Yes. And she and you have gotten your shots and you're okay now? I just got my, she's all done. I just got my second one this couple of days ago. So I'm in the two week, let's rock and roll, get it all done period. So. All right. Yeah. And you, I've heard a story, the one from stories from the stage. And I've heard another one. I think it was on my, one of my shows Mm -hmm. that dealt with some of your own struggles. Yep. Right. Some, some dark stuff. I don't know if the word's dark stuff, but from some powerful, difficult stuff. Yeah. But that is not the story you're going to tell today. No. No. When did you first craft this story that we're about to hear? So 2019, I was uh, asked to be a sacrificial teller at a, at a mass mouth event. So basically what that means is before a slam happens, they have someone come up and kind of warm up the crowd with a story so I got asked at like uh, 11 o'clock in the morning. So I had to craft a story within a few hours. It was a story that I'd been kind of kicking around anyway. And I was like, well, this is a good time to do it. So a, lo- a lot of my stories end up with stuff about my family. Right. This one's no different. You know, Emily, who's my niece, always makes an appearance many times. So yeah, she's in this one too. Emily, the niece. Emily, the niece. Yeah. The yeah. Ongoing character, real she person is. in she your life and your stories. Makes mm-hmm. sense. She's one of my favorite people. So that's why she ends up in them a lot, I think. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. I wonder if someone in your life never shows up in your stories, if that's also an equally telling thing. <laughs> might be. Yeah. <laughs> might be. Yeah. I might have to go back and look at those. <laughs> it might be. It might be. <laughs> All right. So we know when you wrote it and we know or crafted it and we know why. And now what I'm going to do, which is always very hard for me, is stop talking. <laughs> It's only for five minutes, Sean. Right. And it's about for five minutes. And then this will allow you to have the floor to tell your story. And then after your story, they're going to hear some funky little uh, fade out music because that's always nice. That's fun. You know, you got to bridge the story with the rest of the conversation. And then we'll take a little time to break it down. Is that cool? That sounds great. All right. The stage is yours. I shall stop talking now. Okay. My brother and I were driving together and he said to me, do me a favor, you know, to not confuse the kid. Just don't tell her about this stuff. Okay. And my heart sank because this was again, another one of those situations where I had to hide who I was. I'm a witch and my family is Catholic. And I grew up Catholic with them, all the wonderful accoutrements that come with it. We had rosary beads and Mother Mary's and everything in the house. My mother had us go to church every Sunday. She still says the rosary twice a day and is the little saint. 
But somewhere along my journey, I decided that it really wasn't for me. And I started exploring becoming a witch. And so here I was with my brother, not a practicing Catholic, but still considered himself Catholic, saying to me, listen, just don't tell the kid about it. The kid is my niece, Emily, and she's 10 years old. They enrolled her in Catholic school, and they wanted to make sure somehow the things that I practiced and did didn't cause any problems for her, didn't cause any confusion. But I still feel like I was being shoved back into the proverbial Wiccan closet. So I promised him that because I love Emily so much, and I didn't want to confuse her, and I didn't want to upset her. And then my mind started running away with me. What if she didn't like me after this? What if she didn't want to spend time with me? What would happen if Emily all of a sudden, because I was a different religion, didn't want to have anything to do with me? So I took that to heart. I wouldn't wear any of my pentacles around her, my necklaces. I wouldn't have my tarot cards in my bag. I just made sure that Emily was what I thought was protected. It's school vacation week in April. She decides she wants to go to Salem. Salem, Massachusetts is like the witchcraft capital of the world. I used to work in Salem. I'm thinking to myself, okay, we can avoid people that I knew. I don't have to go into any of those really witchy stores. I know this place easily. We can, you know, go around the landmines. That's fine. So the day comes, Emily decides she's heard about the witch museum. She wants to go in for a tour. We go in, she looks around. She's kind of fascinated by the fortune tellers that used to get hung. She's um, looking at all the pencils with all the, the stars on them and so on. And she's like kind of interested in what happened to all the witches. I still don't say anything because some of the information is not exactly true, but I can't correct it because then she would say, how would you know that auntie? And I don't want to tip my hands. And of course, as I'm walking through Salem, someone who I used to know and work with comes walking up the other side of the street. And she's holding hands with me and she says, oh, auntie, let's go into this store. And before I can sort of derail her um, from that store and also worry about this person that is approaching me, it was like landmines galore. He comes over to me and says, Mary, let me give you a hug. It's so good to see you. You haven't been up here in forever. And he hugs me. And I start talking to him and Emily's looking at me and she's looking at him and she's looking at me and she's looking at him and I'm panicking in my head, screaming. And he says, oh, it'd be great to see you up here again. We're doing some rituals soon. I will email you. And he walks away. Now, Emily's a really smart kid and I should have known I probably couldn't have done this without her noticing something. And she looks up at me and she says, Auntie, how do you know him? And I said, oh, he's, he's just a friend, Emily. And she said, yeah, but he said like he was gonna invite you to some ritual. What ritual is that? I said, oh, it's just an event. And I'm trying to explain it away, but I can see by her very smart 10 year old face that she knows something's up. So I get her in the car and we're driving to lunch and she's in the back seat, of course. And I decide to tell her, my brother be damned. I was tired of hiding. You know, she was 10, I was gonna take the risk. And I said to her, um, Emily, so let me explain a little bit. I am a witch. And she said, well, what does that mean? And I said, well, you know the little star that's tattooed on the back of my neck? And she said, yeah. I said, well, that's a, that's a witch's symbol. I said, that person that we met in Salem, he knows me because we used to work together and used to do ceremonies together like mass. And she pauses. She, I can tell she's thinking. 
And so my heart is about to stop. I'm like, oh my God, she doesn't want to talk to me anymore. I, I, I don't know what to do here. I said, um, but you know, Emily, it just means that, you know, I just study something different and I start talking really rapidly fast. And once I finish, she says to me, you know, auntie, we're all weird in our own way. It's fine. And I just like let out all the breath that I was holding at that point. And we went to lunch and then she took me around the mall. And of course I spent way too much money on her, but that's how it went. A few years later, it was Thanksgiving. Emily's 14 years old. We're talking about her religion class. My brother, my sister-in-law, my mother is sitting there and I'm sitting with her. And she's saying, you know, I, I told my teacher she had it wrong. She was talking about witches and how they used to sacrifice people. And she's the teacher said they still do that to this day. And I told the teacher she was wrong. And the teacher said back to Emily, well, Emily, I've studied this. I know that that's the truth. And Emily said, no, you know why I know it's wrong? Because my auntie's a witch and she doesn't do that. And my heart like stopped. I looked around at my family. My brother put his head down, was shaking his head. My mother blessed herself. But I realized for Emily, this was a normal thing. She wasn't embarrassed about me being a witch. She didn't think anything of it. So one of the things I realized is kids can handle a lot more than they think we can handle. And we really are truly all weird in our own way. And we can still accept each other for who we are. I like that story. Thank you. Yes. So stakes, right? Mm -hmm. Don't tell the kid. Don't tell the kid. Start with that. Yeah. We talk about how do you start a story? Well, tell us something in which we're going to be interested or curious mm -hmm. where something matters, right? That's a cool way to start. Don't tell the kid. You're like, wait, what? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why not? Yeah. And then we learn right away. This is all like the first couple of sentences. Mm -hmm. I'm a witch. So like you set it up for us. So it's like, nice. We, we were like, okay, so is she going to tell her what's going to happen? Well, oh, and you're leading up to it. Nice. I know you put this story together rather quickly. Yeah. Do you remember if there was more than one version where you were like, where do I start? Where, how do I start? That's always a tricky part of stories. I remember that conversation with my brother that always stuck with me in the truck. We were in his truck. You know, he was trying to be nice. I mean, it, Anthony's very, my brother's very like, low-key, monotone kind of guy. And he was just like, yeah, you know, don't tell the kid. I mean, my heart just sank because it was always those times of, um, oh, here I go, I'm getting, I'm getting shoved back in the closet. You know, don't tell her you're this, don't tell her you're that. It's, you know, and going different places, like don't do this, don't do that. So I kind of wanted to bring in that, like that heart sinking at the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, and in sort of setting up, I think we've all had that moment where it's like, I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but shame of who you are. You know, or shame mm -hmm. of what you've been through or shame of how you identify or shame. You know, you're like, oh, this is my family. Like, and even I'm running into this here. I felt like that was a good place to start just to sort of, you know, people, I think people can relate to that. Someone saying yeah. don't do this or don't do that. Okay. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I think it'll get, it, it, either way you did it, we want to hear more, which yeah. is important. Yeah. I mean, it's so important and so overlooked. I think people don't realize that, you know, you don't have that much time before we're going to check out of a story. Like, like not much at all. Right. You got to get us interested, which I like the way you did that. 
I'm curious. I want to know a little bit more. And also you have this almost a kind of benefit or luxury of because of the nature of who you are and what this is about in terms of your identity, it's not a common thing. Right. That's also true. Like yeah. right. So we're that's an extra. Oh, wait. I want to know a little bit more about what she's <laughs> talking about with being a witch. Mm-hmm. Is she gonna tell the kid? Right. And then you lay it out for us and you don't give it all away. You go through the story, the events, and we get to hear how it came about that you ultimately decided to tell the kid. Mm-hmm. And then I thought it was kind of cool the way it sort of developed after that and that, you know, how she took it. Yeah. Because yeah. it could have been different. Oh, my heart. My heart was in my throat at that moment. I was like, oh my God, what if she's like, you're weird. I don't want to take me home, auntie, and didn't mm-hmm. want to do anything with me. But yeah. she's like, nah. It's it's amazing. We're all worried about how people are going to react. And sometimes we just build it up into something that it's not. 100%. Yeah. So other than the beginning, do you remember? And I know it's been a couple of years, I think. Yeah. When you're figuring out how to put these scenes together and what to include or exclude. Do you remember any of the process where you made some choices as to what to include or exclude, where to end it, whatever else in terms of story stuff in those five minutes? Yeah. I mean, I was looking at like moments where I was trying to, like I was hiding it from her and I thought the, you know, I had a bunch of different um, scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, once was she was performing in uh, like a school thing in church and, you know, someone recognized me and and stuff and we're talking to me and she was like, hmm. but that one in Salem, I just felt like was the best, you know, there was landmines everywhere. And of course I, I hit a couple. So yeah, that was the place I thought would have been the best because yeah, you know, talking about being in the church, that's a good one. It's kind of compelling. But being in Salem, I thought was really talk about ironic. Right. So, and she wanted to go there. She was the one who brought it up. And I'm like, oh, God, OK, we can do this. <laughs> we can do this. All right. So you do that, right? You've got stakes in this story. Mm-hmm. Something matters to you in the uh, course you took and mm-hmm. what you've learned, as we all learn. Yeah. Stories need stakes. They do. There needs to be some conflict and tension. It needs to matter to you. You establish that. Thank you. They need a beginning, middle, end. And in this case, if I'm not mistaken, your beginning, middle, end is uh, the structure is chronological, right? Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. So whatever you say first happened first. Right. In time. Mm-hmm. Which I always think start there. Yeah. And then if you have a reason to try to play with the structure and start in the middle or the end, that's cool. But it made sense here. Yeah. I didn't feel like flashing back would have, I probably could have started with like Thanksgiving and and like talked about that scenario and then flashback, but I kind of liked it this way. Yeah. I I like it too. Cause it's just kind of like you're with your family, your brother, then Mm -hmm. you're just with your niece and then you're back. If I, I I don't know if I got this right, but you're with your brother, then you're with her, then you're back with your brother. In addition to some other family members, Right. it's like a neat, nice, Mm -hmm. compact way to do it. Yeah. I think people sometimes get confused of what beginning, middle, and end means. I don't want to, I'm gonna kind of put you on the spot because beginning, middle, end doesn't mean you open your mouth and that's the beginning. Yes, that's the beginning of when you're telling us something, but you mean within the story. Talk to me like I'm a second grader. <laughs> you mean that. like I usually talk to him or host? Right. Yeah. <laughs> How most people talk to me. How do you do that in this story? Beginning, middle, end. Well, I looked at it as I needed to set the stage for what I was going to talk about. So it was, here was the scenario of setting up the conflict with, with my brother, with the family, with Emily. So sort of like setting the stage. Yep. The middle to me is what's the event that sort of shows what's happening and then like what happens with the stakes. Yeah. 
And then the end sort of ties it all back together in a nice little bow. You know, yes. so having Emily say, hey, my aunt's a witch in Catholic school was like, oh my God, you know, and that and then we all kind of moved on to, everybody knows I'm a witch now. Oh, well, you know, it's it's sort of that, um, yeah, it's like the end of a, of a story. You get the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. You need that. You need, because otherwise you're just telling an antidote or you're just telling like, I went to this and this happened and it was cool. And that's not a really a beginning, middle and end. It's, it's sure you talk about when you went there, whatever happened and left, but there's no, there's no kind of not moral to the story, but there's no meat to it. It's just, this is what I did. Right. We tend not to know how you're feeling and we don't see right. any real sort of change, which is usually vital to a story. Yeah. To a good uh, story. Yeah. Typically to a good story, you need some yeah. kind of change that doesn't need to be a big change. And it could be some, you know, we use the word realize a lot. Sometimes it feels good to use it. Like it, like you earned that ending. Other times you're like, huh, wait a second. I came out of nowhere. But in this story, it's perfect. It made complete sense, you know, that that this thing happened and not necessarily that your family now knows you're a witch. So that's part of the story. To me, the bigger thing is that you realize or begin to realize this other thing as well. Yeah, yeah. That maybe is larger than that. So one of the things I realized is kids can handle a lot more than they think we can handle. And we really are truly all weird in our own way. And we can still accept each other for who we are. Yeah. I mean, I think we all build up this stuff about who we are that's different. And, you know, sometimes we'll get weird reactions from people. So then it's like, oh, I, I need to hide. But it's not, it has nothing to do with us. It has to do with the other person. Usually. Yeah. Usually. Yeah, usually. So, you know, I have Emily, who I'm really worried about, like, not liking me anymore because I'm a witch. And she's just like, whatever, auntie. Like, is she just, she just rolled with it. And I, I was like, oh, you know, if... We could be more open like that out in the world. And, and the kid taught me that. The kid taught me that. Mm -hmm. you know? So she taught me that at 10 when she was 10. Now I'm like, I'm a witch. You know, I don't. <laughs> and people react how they react. It's a little bit of an acceptance for me to be like, well, this is who I, I you know, I don't run around screaming that I'm a witch. I was, but if someone asks me, I don't, I'm not ashamed of it anymore. Yeah. So 10 year old taught me that. Yep. And then a 14 year old kind of confirmed it yeah, yeah. We added a little history in there because it happened in a class and what we learn about witches yeah, yeah. and then she's had your back which is she cool. did i was like oh my heart burst that must have been an interesting dinner yeah 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 my brother was like what i was like it just came out he's like uh. it's funny because we joke with people um he works in law enforcement and he'll talk about me doing stuff and like his, his partner will look at him or whatever. And he'll say, no, no, we're really blood brother and sister. Like, look at our noses. They look the same. She's right. not my stepsister. She's like my real hundred percent sister. So yeah, it's, it's funny, but he's, you know, he's cool. He doesn't necessarily believe in it, but he's not like looking at me through your weirdo's eyes so much. Mm -hmm. he, you know, he's like, whatever, just, you know, don't do anything stupid. <laughs> That's sort of where he comes from. Listeners, whatever level you are, you need a beginning, middle, end. Mm -hmm. You need stakes. Mm -hmm. You need to choose moments. Are you working on any stories right now? I'm always working on ideas. Yeah, I'm working on a story. Well, listen, the one I'm working on right now is about seeing a girl that bullied me at an event that I was sort of the, the uh, host of and looking up and seeing her and how that was for me. Mm. so I was I was in third grade and uh yeah and I saw her you know about 35 years later mm -hmm. yeah so I'm working on that right now and how I'm gonna and that's one of those stories I'm like I I sort of have to flash back in it because you know I'm not gonna go in a in a line um with that one so jump a lot of time too that's yeah. tricky yeah so working on that 
Do you, when you say working on it, are you a writer or are you more of, a, are you a recorder? Are you, do you have another process? I don't, I write bullet points. I don't write the story out. I know a lot of people do that. And maybe I should try it. Um, I just feel like it's not as, I don't want to say it's not authentic. That's not the right word. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it sort of ties me up. Like if I have points and then I'm speaking and I'm speaking, I can kind of work through it, speaking it, then writing it out and then editing. But I know a lot of people do that. I just, it doesn't work as well for me. Is there one thing you could tell somebody that we haven't talked about if they, particularly if they were newer to this, uh, if they want to try story stuff in terms of a, a tip? Well, other than have fun with it, because you really should look at it as it's a really fun thing to do. Um, don't be afraid to be vulnerable. I think that is the, some of your best stories come out of that. You learn about people and yourself that way. You, you know, people are in this community story to a very, uh, they embrace you. Um, is very supportive. So don't be afraid to tell the vulnerable stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of us kind of bury those and we're like, oh, we'll find some other fun story. And it's like, mm, you know, get in there, pull it out. Let's see what it looks like, mm-hmm. you know? And we want to support you through that. So that's what I would say. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable. I like that. Yeah. This is my last official question. Okay. <laughs> and then you could add anything you want, of course, because that's probably going to be gold too. <laughs> oh, you're Of course, do you have any favorite storytellers oh gosh one or two favorites where you're just like oh my god omg like when they come up it's like oh i want to listen to this one yeah zach stewart's definitely one of them zach's Mm -hmm. stories are hysterical and i know zach does get vulnerable sometimes but i mean they're just he's he's such a good weaver of stories you know i have to say which i'm sure a lot of people say richard munchkin's stuff is wow you know i think his he's got such a range of amazing things and and you know, I think Richard also doesn't peg hole himself into anything in particular. Like he'll talk about relationships. He'll talk about gambling. He'll talk about, you know, he pulls from his life. And um, so he, I, I can learn a lot from him. Zach right. too. I mean, Zach's just funny, but those two, I like, I see them come up. I'm like, Oh, let's listen to what they're saying. Yeah. I agree. I like, yeah. I like them too. But I mean, like, really, I could sit down and say some of the, like some of our 99 second folks, everybody brings something new to the table with those. Yeah. And everybody's always up in their game. I think that's the thing about storytelling is everybody's upping their craft all the time, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Let's let's go muggle. <laughs> and thanks for telling your story. Sure. Yeah. Breaking it down. All right. I'll talk to you thanks later. Thanks again, Mary. Talk to you soon. Yeah. Bye-bye. As always, thanks so much for listening and your support. And special thanks to Mary up in Massachusetts. This Sunday night, we're hosting an open mic called the Mental Health Happy-ish Hour. I'll put that information in the show notes. And if you listen on Apple, a gentle reminder, please rate and review this podcast. It really does help. Thanks for that. That's all for episode number 27. Boom.